Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall, and what a week for the New York Rangers. It starts with the NHL draft and Gabriel Perot dropping to them at 23rd, uh, to the 23rd pick for them. Uh, I love the selection. I know in our um, a draft preview show that when Adam Kilman came on with us, I was talking about how much I love Perot and was there a possibility that he could drop to them? And he thought maybe, but it'd probably be gone before then. Uh, but what a great pick. I As soon as he was still there, I was hoping that Chris Drew would run to the podium and announce his name, and that's what he did. And uh, all in all, the Rangers had a solid draft for only having five draft picks. I also uh, really like Drew Fortescue, the third-round pick, who we also talked about with Adam on the show, talked about both those guys. So uh, if you haven't heard of that, that interview yet with Adam, and uh, also Byron Bader was on that show as well, make sure you go back and check that out because we have a great preview of Perot and uh, Fortescue. Uh, and actually, we have a great guest later on. Steve Carano, so the, the draft analyst, comes on and kind of and breaks down the entire draft for the Rangers. So we talk about not only the first-round pick of Perot and the third-round pick of Fortescue, but also uh, Larson and uh, the two six-round picks here. So um, it's a great stuff from him, and, and stick around for that in a little bit. But also, on top of the NHL draft craziness happening, we also had NHL free agency happening just two days later. So really just no time off between the two things. Uh, the Rangers, with basically 17 cents in salary cap, somehow go out. And this is why Chris Drury sometimes, I feel like this fan base really gets on him a lot. But I thought he did a fantastic job with what he had in free agency. Obviously, the biggest signing coming in Blake Wheeler. Um, you know, the forward got bought out by the Winnipeg Jets two days before free agency, a day before, whatever it was. So a guy who kind of came out of nowhere on their radar. And I think the perfect right wing for this team. I mean, they need a right winger. And I know he's 36 years old, but he's got 15 years of NHL experience. I mean, the guy's uh, he had 55 points last year in 72 games. Uh, he is a point producer. He comes in, he can put up points, he can play power plays, a big body in front of the net. You know, maybe he plays in the second unit in front of the net instead of Trocheck, and Trocheck can go back to the first unit this year. Don't know how that's going to work. But I think Wheeler's a great addition to this team. I know he's not the fastest guy in the world, and I think the Rangers need a little more speed in their lineup, so that doesn't help them at all. But I think all in all, to add him for 800 k plus bonuses at the end of the year, perfect addition. Big six foot five, 220, could throw the body around a little bit, plays with his size, plays to the net, um, you know, 922 career points. I think just a great add for the Rangers. Good friends with Jacob Truba. I think it was perfect. Now, the other guy you want to talk about, another veteran add, Jonathan Quick. Um, so, obviously, three Stanley Cup titles, just won a cup title as a backup for Vegas. Um, you know, we know what he's done with LA beating the Rangers in this cup finals that one year, just one of the, you know, one of the most accomplished U S um, American goaltenders of all time and was born in, and raised a Ranger fan. So pretty cool to see him come back. Mike Richter was his hero. So cool to see him come back now. Uh, you know, there's been, con- there's concerns about, you know, what kind of player he's going to be now this late in his uh, career. And obviously he didn't have a great year last year. Um, you know, we had Kevin Woodley on a couple weeks ago. We talked about the possibility of, Quick joining the team, and he didn't think it was a great fit with Benoit there, so his style, but we'll see. I think, you know, for what they brought him in at, it was a perfect contract for what they needed. Um, I wanted to see Halak back personally, but maybe he was asking for too much money. I don't know what the deal with that was, but, um, you know, I think Quick is is a good addition. Obviously, you still have Louis, uh, Louis Domingue 
down in Hartford as your third goalie, who's obviously a capable goalie coming in if there is an injury, any of the backing up quick or coming in um, if quick gets hurt to back up Igor. So all in all, you want Igor playing 65 games anyway, so quick's not going to be out there a ton. Um, but I think it was a good ad there. And then a couple other veteran ads here. Eric Gustafson, I think, is a really solid um, defenseman and a guy who will play on that third pairing. Now the question is what happens with Ben Harper? He'll most likely go back to Hartford. Zach Jones has kind of been in that yo-yo between Hartford and New York the last couple of years. What is his deal? So I think Gustafson might maybe platoon with Jones. I'm not really sure. Um, but this guy can move the puck around. You know, last year he had 42 points. He was traded the deadline to Toronto. Had a great year with the Caps. Um, obviously played for Laviolette there. And Laviolette apparently was a big fan of his. So I, I think he was a good ad. And I think he got the Rangers brought him in well under where his market value was. So that was positive. And Nick Benino is a guy who I think the Rangers should have gotten a couple years ago. Uh, another veteran, two-time Stanley Cup champion, um, you know, over 823 NHL games. Just watched him at the World Championships this, this last year. Uh, he was the captain of Team USA the last, this last World Championship. So a guy who can kill penalties, good fourth liner, you know, can win a big faceoff. Like I said, has a ton of um, playoff experience and cup experience. Over 100, uh, it was it 105 playoff games in his career. So, uh, and he's had six game-winning goals too. So the guy. Plays big in big situations, so I thought that was a good ad for this team. And uh, another Stanley Cup champion, more of a depth guy in Riley Nash, um, but he was on the the Lightning team, played eight games in the playoffs a couple years ago for Lightning on their cup run. Um, I think he's a guy who could maybe push for a roster spot, but probably be more of a Hartford player. Um, maybe be a 13th forward. He could play forward. He, I mean, he play, apparently he could play anywhere. He could play center, left wing, right wing, so that's good. Um and Tyler Pitlick, another guy who I actually was impressed with when the Rangers played St. Louis this year. Um, he only had 16 points in 61 games. Again, another fourth-line type player. He has got limited playoff experience, 22 games there. Uh, but I, he has a right-winger, so another right-winger adding to this depth now. Um, play a little offensively, can throw the body around. You, now, this is a guy who has some speed, which is good. Um, can play center, can play wing. So um, we'll see. We'll see what he can do. And I, I, I like the ad with him. I think this is another depth guy. Kind of similar to like a Jimmy VC type ad last year where um, I don't think a lot's going to be expected of him, but I think he can pleasantly surprise people when he comes in. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. And then, you know, they have a couple other ads here. Connor Mackey, you know, the guy who I watched the World Championships this year, who I think could maybe push for some playing time, kind of be an injury um, insurance down in Hartford. I think he's a, a very solid player. Uh, Nicholas uh, Brouillard, uh, who has mostly been an AHL player his entire career. Um, he had a hard year this year in the Ducks organization. I think he's a guy obviously destined for Hartford. Uh, Mac Hollowell, who actually played. I thought he was a good sign, actually. 24 years old. He's a young guy. He's played in mostly the AHL, but he also saw some NHL action last year. And uh, actually, Steve Dangle actually talked about how impressed he was when he filled in for Toronto this year with some injuries. So... Um, you know, maybe he's a guy who can get a shot down the line. Uh, I think he played six games last year with Toronto, and he said in those six games was pretty impressive. He had a, a plus three rating and had two assists um, in his NHL debut, so that's pretty solid against the New Jersey Devils, um, which we know is a very good team last year. So we'll see. I think he's obviously a Hartford player, but you know, you never know with injuries where these guys can go. And then um, Alex Belize, who had you know played for Montreal the last couple of years, again. Uh, more of a veteran player, was a captain for their AHL team last year. I see him more as an AHL player. I think some people think he has a shot at making the fourth line. Uh, I think kind of like Nash, 
Uh, he's going to be a guy that can maybe yo-yo up and down if they need him to, pace off injury, but mostly spend most of his days uh, in Hartford. But, um, you know, like I said, for a guy with very limited funds, I think Chris really did a very good job building some depth. And now the question is going to be, you know, do they bring back? They have some cap space here. It's going to depend on what uh, the deal for with Lafreniere and Keandre Miller turns out to be on their restricted free agent deals. Um, but, you know, are they going to get rid of Goodrow? Are they keeping Barkley Goodrow? Can they bring back a Patrick Kane? Is he interested in coming back? What's the injury situation there? It looks like Tarasenko is destined for Carolina, although today um, it, it may, has not gone through officially. So we'll see what actually happens there. But um, you know, that will be a big, big game for Carolina. It seems like the Metro is just getting better and better, the best division in hockey last year. And uh, there, a lot of teams are gearing up for war again this year. So... Um, that would be very unfortunate to see Tarasenko go to Carolina. I hope somehow that changes before the uh, deal gets finalized, but um, he would be a great addition for them. Um, but, yeah, it seems like everything in the Metro has gotten better this last week. And then also big news for the Rangers is uh, I think we reported two weeks ago that, unfortunately, Jacksonville Iceman announced they were leaving the Rangers organization as their affiliate, and they're going to be heading to Buffalo. And the Rangers actually just swapped affiliates. The Rangers are announcing – uh, Wednesday morning that they're picking up the Cincinnati Cyclones as their new East Coast uh, Hockey League affiliate. They were previously with uh, the Sabres, and they actually had the second-best record in the East Coast League last year with 103 points. So they're picking up a very good Cincinnati team. Obviously, they'll add their own prospects there as well as the guys that are assigned there. But um, head coach Jason Payne is one of the uh, best coaches in the league. Um, every person I've talked to about him uh, has actually said how great of a guy he is. So hopefully we get him on the show like we've done in the past with the Maine and Jacksonville staffs, but uh, the new affiliate for the New York Rangers in the East Coast level will be the Cincinnati Cyclones. Very cool logo. You go check that out. And, um, yeah, everything I've heard about Cincinnati, actually, they have a great crowd and a great arena there. So uh, looking forward to uh, to watching some of their games there, and hopefully the Rangers will bring a uh, even bigger crowd to the town, um, as they usually do. I know in Jacksonville they brought – um, their attendance to a new level once they got the Rangers in as an affiliate. So hopefully that works out well for Cincinnati as well. But as I said, we have a great guest this week, Steve Kiranis, the draft analyst who comes on. We talk about all the Rangers draft picks. You'll learn guys that, you know, the last late round guys I knew nothing about, and he gives some great breakdown of their games and what to expect from them. And uh, really, Rasmus Larson, who I had no idea the fifth round pick, he has great review of him. So um, it was great to hear. His insight, before we do send an interview with Steve, I do want to tell you about sponsors over at InTheClutch.com. Listen, there's no place to go other than InTheClutch.com. If you need your NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB apparel, they're the spot. They have throwback shirts. They have cool current shirts, player shirts, team shirts, uh, city shirts. Anything you need to gear up for your next game, go there. When you do, use promo code BROADWAY. To save 10% off on your purchase. So go to intheclutch.com, use our code Broadway, and you save 10% on your purchase and get all the gear you need for your next sporting event, your next whatever you need in your life. Make sure you go check them out. They do amazing stuff. Go check out our Ranger gear there. And uh, yeah, and gear up for next season for the Rangers. It's, it'll be here before you know it. Or if you're going on a natural financial draft, you want some Ranger gear to rep, go on intheclutch.com, buy our shirt. Use the promo code, save 10% off. That's promo code Broadway at intheclutch.com. 
All right, we're now joined again. Great to have him back on the show to talk about the NHL draft. Some exciting stuff in the New York Rangers. Steve joining us from the, the draft analyst. You can find the draft analyst on uh, on Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us again, buddy. What's going on, man? How you doing? Good, good. Great to get you back on. I think Ranger fans are very excited about their first round pick. Uh, Gabriel Perot out of the uh, U.S. National Development Program. And uh, I watched him at the World Juniors, or the U18s, and loved him there. I actually talked about him on my pre-draft show about how much of a pipe dream it might be to get him. And sure enough, he's sitting there at 23 and the Rangers grab him. Yeah, um, he was, uh, he has, the, he says the scoring record at the NTDP. I mean, he, he has a record that, you know, he surpassed Austin Matthews and Jack Hughes and Michael and Kane and all them. Uh, they, he has that record. Uh, and so, you know, you're getting offense out of him. Uh, you know, he, he's just nothing but offense. I mean, that's all you're getting. You're not getting physicality. You're not getting, um, uh, you know, hard work in the defensive zone. You're not getting penalty killing, none of that. You're getting just pure offense. That's it. And, um, you know, once he, he's inside the offensive zone, it's, it's really his playground. And so I, I like the fact that they went for extreme skill they haven't done that in a while uh, with uh, with their picks outside of obviously the the high picks that they get. But you know, usually they're like, oh, this guy's great. This guy's uh, this guy's got, you know, he's sandpaper and he oh, he, he works hard. You're going to love him with this one. It's like you're just getting offense, scoring offense, passing, playmaking, power play, everything. I think that's something they need, right? I feel like there's enough guys that they have now, like the Offmans that have a two way game. Will Cooley can play physical. They need a guy who's just a pure scorer. And I think that's something they've missed in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we all assume that by this point, Kako and Lafreniere would be the two of the brightest young stars in the league, and they would have 30 goals and 60 points and at a minimum. Uh, but obviously, it's been, it's been a work in progress. So, uh, you know, the fact that they had to move on from Kravtsov, that was a big disaster. And, uh, you know, when you look at your top six, I know people were like, oh, another wing. Well, you know, Panarin is, isn't going to be, he's going to get old. He's going he's gonna to be, become, become a free agent eventually. Uh, Kreider is, isn't getting any younger. Of course, he's under contract, but he's only got a couple of years left. Uh, and so you have to replace those guys. And I, I'm a big fan of good, trying to do that through the draft first. Uh, so in a way, you could say that this pick, the Othman pick, hitting on Cooley and then Lafreniere and, and Kako, like, you know, in theory, that could be your, your, your first six wingers, like, let's say five to six years down the road. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to work out that way because it never really does. But in theory, like I said, when you're trying to create your rosters of the future, you, you could say that, hey, like, we're, we're set at wing. We have finishers, we have playmakers, we have everything. We have big bodies, we got, you know, f- f- tough guys. So now all we need to do is find centers. <laughs> and that's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait to see when that's going to happen at the draft with the Rangers. But, uh, you know, when it comes to wing, it looks like they're, they're, they're definitely set. They might have arguably the best collection of wings under the age of, like, 23 in the entire league. Uh, I think it's that, it's that, uh, it's that deep. I was laughing at – I was reading about your pick. I know you gave the, the pick a B-plus, and I think you're right. The Rangers are allergic to drafting centers. Uh, I think Hedl's the last center they – I remember drafting that high. I, I can't remember the last center they actually drafted high in the draft. 
Well, the draft Anderson and Heedle were, were the same, yeah, same year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went one two, and and I and I understood that. Yeah, I didn't like the Anderson pick. Definitely didn't like that pick. But the the, the Heedle pick, I was like, okay. I think what happened was in 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 two thousand and eighteen, they were like, well, we have these two centers. Now let's go out and draft an elite wing, and so you get Kravtsov, and then just by really just by circumstance, they win back to back lotteries. And you cannot draft anybody but a wing. You had to draft Kako at two. You had to draft Lafreniere at one. So now you have this, this like a little bit of a conundrum now because now you have three straight wings. Uh, this is my theory too. Like then they saw the writing on the wall with with Krabsov. Uh Kako and Lafreniere a little slow out of the gates. So now they go and they draft Authman. And then they go and they draft Sakura. So it's like, <laughs> This is all in a row. The first, the Rangers have picked a, a winger with the first pick, and I think seven out of the last eight drafts, or it's been six straight drafts, which is crazy to think about when you're talking about building a team that's been weak at center for a very long time. Uh, it's been an organizational need, but again, uh, you know they 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 definitely addressed a need with the Perot pick. Uh, you know. I, I had him ranked, I think, exactly at that spot. I had him ranked 23. So to, he was my best player available. Uh, but, you know, just at some point, I'd like to see them really like, you know, you look at what Vegas does every year. You look at uh, Montreal's one team. Like they just go, Vegas especially. Vegas has drafted a center with their first pick every year. They've been in the draft since 2017. And they've never taken anything but a center with their first pick. Uh, so, and and they used Krebs to, to get, uh, Eichel, they used uh, Glass to get. Uh, well, Glass was like the Nolan Patrick trades. So I don't know about that one, but they're like, yeah. <laughs> I, I just like I like having really good center depth. I'm a big fan of it. And let's not forget, like the one cup this franchise has in the last 80 years is when they went out and they got a center who scored 70 goals, and then they traded him for one of the best centers in the history of the game. So I'd like to see them maybe put more of an emphasis on that position. You know, the Trochecks, the, the Stepons, the Brassards, they're all fine. But they, I, I felt like, you know, they really need to at some point address. Like, we need a franchise center. Like a 6'2", 200-pound, or a 6'1", 185, you know, dual threat, penalty killer, physical, some guy like that. And if you look at all the recent cup champions, just go all the way down the list. How, how many of them had a center? They're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that guy. He's okay. He's like a top six type. No, like, every team that's won a cup has, like, a legit – number one center. And so, um, you know, it's one of those things I, I, I was expecting them to address that this draft. So I was a little taken aback uh, by the parole pick, but again, I, I, you, you're frustrated with the fact that you, you have, you can't have guys like Panarin and Zabanaj had not shown up in the playoffs and not scoring uh, the two best players. Uh, like I said, Kratz is not getting any younger. Now you still don't really know what's going to happen with Lafreniere and, Kako, have they peaked or is this the the best is yet to come who knows so again i i like to pick i think the kid uh his touch inside the offensive zone is phenomenal like he'll make uh like it's it's, it's panarin like it's panarin like that's how that's how skilled he is i mean anytime you get compared to panarin that, that sounds good to me uh but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's John Lilly, the director of scouting for the rangers i think he said you know basically he was the number one guy in our list that was left and they, you know, they were kind of surprised he was still sitting there. So um, who knows? They could have had a completely different direction. They were going in the draft and yeah. that kid's still sitting there. And they, you know, they probably, I think, uh, I think saw Drew actually run to the, uh, 
run up to the front to, to draft him. There was like no delay. There was no thanking David Poyle. There was nothing. Just straight say the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I like when they do that. <laughs> you know, another thing too, another positive thing about why I'm definitely happy with the parole pick uh, is because they didn't draft the three centers. I was praying that they were like, Oh, it's a big body. He's a big boy. I, I, there were three guys I did not want them to take. I was dead set on it. And Minnesota took one at Stramel. Uh, that that mm-hmm. they went the wild fans went nuts because his kid did not have a good year and uh but he's a minnesota kid he's big and he could kill penalties so minnesota took him first and uh and then uh the other guy was edstrom and mm. he went to vegas so i was happy that we avoided him and then danny nelson went to the islanders in the second round and there was talk that edstrom and nelson and stramel were, were in the mix because they would be ranger type players Good penalty killers, good on faceoffs, physical. And I'm like, no more of that. No more. No. Like, we need a <laughs> like, we need a playmaking center or a, a dual threat or it's just some guy that has presence. Um, so when when Stramel went, I was very happy. And then when they announced Perot, uh, it's I had the same like reaction I had with, with Othman. Like, okay, not the guy necessarily that I wanted, but it's a good pick. You know what I mean? And so yeah. uh, the thing about Perot, listen, we have to be fair. We, we can't make him out to be the next uh, you know, Yari Curry or something like that. Th- this guy, he, he definitely has limitations. Uh, my only concern with Perot, I actually have two concerns. My first concern is that, uh, and this might be, this you might say that's a stupid way to look at it. But again, I just, this is how my brain works. I can't help it. His brother was almost an identical player, uh, Jacob. And he was drafted uh, uh, into, he played for the Sarnia Sting in 2020. He played, he was drafted in the first round, right around the same spot by Anaheim. And his thing was elite shot, elite hands, great skater. And he has, has just struggled in the AHL. Now, this was, this was a kid drafted three years ago now. So he's had, I think, three seasons. And each one has been a struggle. So that's a little concerning. Uh, but then again, you look at William Nylander versus Alexander. So again, I look at both sides, but still something to think about. But the biggest thing that I'm concerned about with him is that he's had the same line mates for like two years, right? And he's going to have the same mm-hmm. line mates again in Boston College. So like you're playing on the same line with the same, like the chemistry that that line had was phenomenal. Like they were just dancing out on the ice, making phenomenal plays, just a, a high-end skill. Uh, it, like I said, it was almost like the Russian Five or the Red Army teams or the you know, the Gretzky Oilers, where they're really just toying with, with the opposition. And they did this against the college teams, did it against the international team, did it against everybody. Uh, now what, what, what's going to happen is when they get, when they all leave BC, you know, Smith is going to go to San Jose, Leonard is going to go to Washington, and Perot is going to go to the Rangers. And I'm wondering how much of an impact this is going to be. And then his first year in the AHL, not having that familiarity. Is, and again, this is all worst case scenario. Uh, is is he gonna like? He's a, he's a smaller player. He's not very big. So if he's not like scoring, he's gonna get frustrated. And then of course the fans are gonna chime in. And you know you have this vicious cycle. It seems that like we've had with our prospects. That you know, I mean, look at Brett Howden. I mean, he was a prospect. He was a he was a, a serviceable guy, and people went nuts because he was taken. He was taking the fourth line job over Leah Sanderson, and Leah Sanderson was uh, you know. So I like I think with prospects it's a slippery slope sometimes because we all love them and love them and love them, but the second the second they don't 
meet our expectations, not the club's expectations, our expectations. You know, we call them a bust and whatever. So it's something to monitor, right? You got to see how okay. he how he progresses. Um, maybe Boston College. I know that their goal is to win and, and, and make money. Uh, so I don't think they'd break up that line. But I'd like to see him play away from that line. I'd like to see what he can do by himself with like two random guys, you know, like a, like a, re- a regular center and a regular, because that was not the case with him for each, for each of the last two years uh, outside of a couple of games here and there. So like I said, just things to monitor, but uh, you know, he has the kind of shot and the accuracy and it, it, the, the, the vision he has, uh, it, it's going to require his teammates, I think, to adapt to him instead of him to adapt to the teammates. I, I, I hope, I just, I hope that's the case. Cause I think that's, that, that's, that's the kind of skill that he has. All right. Those are two things to, to watch out for there. And, and listen, I think Ranger fans, we've, we've seen the highlights of him. Everyone's just very excited. Now, the reason why I love talking to you is, you know, everything, you know, you know, guys that in all different parts of the world that no one ever heard of. So I want to talk about the rest of the other four picks sure. you had to get your input on and a guy who I do know, and I actually was hoping they were going to draft him. I talked about him on my pre-show as well, with Drew Fortescue, the defenseman, also from the U.S. Development Program, uh, who, again, I really like that the U18s, I watch him too. Uh, I think he's a big, strong defenseman that's very good in his defensive zone and uh, was a plus-minus, you know, eight-up plus-minus this year, was great the world champion. What do you think of him? Yeah, I like the pick. I, I, was, I had the TV on mute uh, because it's day two. And I don't want to hear what they have to say. And, and, I, and, I, and I have to, I'm like banging out like my reports and everything like real time. So when, when there was a delay, I was happy because I'm like, oh, I get to catch up. <laughs> you know, like, so I was happy with that. But I, I didn't see what they gave up to move up that one spot. I know it was a pick. I think it was a pick in next year's draft. Or... Seventh, seventh round pick. Yeah, seventh round pick next year. All right. That's fine. Um. You know, they must have had in, in either intel that Pittsburgh was going to was going to grab him uh, or uh, I don't know how that worked out. They'll never admit what, what the truth, what the truth really was. But again, I, I don't have a problem w- making that kind of a move for that kind of a player because he could he's a good skater. He's he's got good size and he really could clean things up in the defensive zone. And a lot of the range defensemen. um you know, like uh, I thought the defense, and again, I'm not, obviously this kid is nowhere near ready and he's going to go to, I think he's going to go to BC as well. Uh, that, you know, reactionary drafting sometimes isn't a bad thing in the middle to late rounds. And so I think my opinion at, with Fox's Norris nomination, notwithstanding, I think the defense played all that great last year. I'm talking about the Rangers defense. Uh, there were a lot of like, like I thought Trouble was the best, most consistent guy which is crazy because usually he, you know, drives me nuts. Uh, but so, but like we saw Miller had growing pains. Fox was not definitely, was not the same player, at least defensively. Lindgren played dealing with injuries. So, and then Schneider, I thought also was a little, was more unreliable, uh, I guess, than I expected. But this was, a lot of it had to do with the expectations being high and it's still a very young defense. So I like, you know, if you want to go out and draft a defenseman who's just clean in his own zone, handles passes really well and knows how to kickstart an offense without doing a whole lot. Right. You know, you don't want him to do a home run breakout pass every time. You don't want him to go end to end every time you want him to be able to handle a puck under pressure and make one little play 
you know, deep in his own zone, that's going to, you know, a forward could help out, uh, help him out. And then they, there's your breakout and then you, 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 uh, you're uh, out of harm's way. So Fortescue was great. The other thing about the stats with him, I think he actually had decent numbers. The NTDP defensemen are almost instructed, like give the puck, unless you have a Quinn Hughes or an Adam Fox, they're instructed to just give the puck to the forwards. And I can't tell you how many times the defensemen uh, would basically have a clear lane to skate and exit on their own, and they wouldn't do it. They would just give it to a forward. So within that context, you would say, well, you know, that's how Fortescue got his points. He actually got points, a lot of his points from shooting and uh, making nice plays in the offensive zone. So I think there's, there's definitely upside with point production there. Uh, but, you know, he, he could be physical. You have him out in there on the penalty kill. Uh, so, and, and on top of that, he's a BC guy. He's going to go to uh, uh, college and be there for a little bit, then go to Hartford. So we got a, we got a ways to go with him. Felt like they, like they needed to address the left side of the defense because uh, really, and really either side, the left side or the right side, uh, because uh, all they have on the right side is uh, the, the Mancini kid. And I think Emerson, if you talk about like legitimate prospects and then on the, on the left side, you know, Jones and Robinson, they're ready. But after that, you, you have Shelberg. He's in, I think, he's in college. I don't even know if they, uh, they, they're going to uh, bring him back because he's in college. Uh, and then uh, they have to, I think his rights expire soon. And Kempf uh, is, is another, he's just like a defensive defender. So they don't really have a whole lot. So I like the fact that they added a, a quality body, that um, there's a sizable gap between Jones and Robertson and, and uh, because they're from the same draft year and Fortescue. So it's not like you have to worry about Fortescue, let's say, uh, blocking uh, one or the Jones or Robinson blocking him because it's a, it's, a, it's a wide gap. It's about a four or five-year spread uh, age-wise. So, yeah, it just the, the, the pick made sense. You're only giving up a seventh to move up to get him. It's probably going to be a low seventh anyway. Uh, so let's uh, you know go ahead and make the deal. And they didn't. I think it was a good trade. Yeah, no, I, I like I'm sorry. Yeah, I had the pick too. I, I think it was a foul pick for where they were there. I, I kid who in the third round you're really getting to, you know, it's a lottery. It's, it's like a lottery ticket. You know, the kid works out or not, but I think he's got a, a good shot at making some kind of an impact in the organization. Yeah. Um, now we get we get to the later rounds, and here's a kid I have no idea, never heard of him before. Rasmus Larson, six foot three Swedish defenseman. What do you got on him? He's good. He's oh, good. Okay, good. Yeah, he's good. He is a He's a, I don't want to call him a unicorn. I'm trying not to get too excited about it because it was the J20 in Sweden. And although, um, you know, this year was a good year for Swedish prospects, uh, the J20 is a little bit of an offensive, like a run and gun kind of league. So uh, I try to like not get too excited because they definitely don't play the way they play in major junior. They don't play there the way that they play in, in, in hockey East or in the USHL. It's just different. It's not, like an easy league it's a bigger sheet though and so you just have a, you have more room to skate it is more offense and they they call anything is a penalty you breathe on someone it's a penalty so you have a lot of power play time and it kind of like um muddies the waters when you're assessing a prospect uh but with larson uh, he was basically the number one defenseman on a on a and he's only an 04 i think so he's only like a, an overager by a year uh he is a basically, like I say, he's like a fourth forward. He's a big guy. He's a beautiful skater, multi, multi uh, directional uh, flexibility, agility, uh, clean stride. I mean, he could, uh, you know, he, he kind of like 
he's kind of like what we thought Brady Shea was going to be, uh, you know, when Brady Shea with the skating and his size. And we've, we rarely saw that. We saw that like in, in, in spurts where like Shea could be like an, an offensive guy who takes over a game. So based on what I've seen at the J20 level, Lawson takes over games. He is a, a and he, he doesn't just take it over in the offensive zone. He takes it over in the defensive zone as well. He's a hard hitter. He's got, you know, like I said, a powerful lower body. He's got a long reach. He breaks up plays. He like, if he's defending the slot and something's in the corner, he doesn't hesitate. He just goes and he nails the guy and then he goes right back. And because he has speed, uh, really good footwork and quick feet, he, he could do that. So uh, I saw that he's going to the USHL next season and he's going to play for either Cedar Rapids or Green Bay. I always get those two, you know, it's either Cedar Rapids or Green Bay. I think it might be, even be Green Bay. Uh, yeah, it is Green Bay, actually. So that means that he's probably going to go to college. All right. Like, why would he go from, why would he turn down a pro contract? Yeah, I think he committed to Northern Michigan for 2024. All right. So he's going to Northern Michigan, not a major program, but, uh, but a decent one. Um, uh, I think that's the, is that the CCHA or that's the NCHA? Anyway, I forgot. The, but the, uh, the, the thing is with the USHL is, is Hill, it's going to mirror what he sees in the USHL and then ultimately in college hockey it's going to mirror what he's going to see in the AHL. And that's what you want. I always said about people always talk about, uh, Oh, well, these six round picks or fifth, they never hit, they never go to the NHL. I don't think that you, the intent is to get them to the NHL. The intent should be to get them to the AHL. Cause once you get them to the AHL and they realize that they're literally one step away from the NHL and all that big money, which is at the end of the day, it's what we all want. Um, uh, that, that, that these kids will, It'll make or break these kids, right? Like we've seen plenty of range of prospects drafted from any round, like Leah Sanderson, right? He is phenomenal in the AHL. He's like an AHL all-star <laughs> every year. Uh, I saw he just got picked up by Montreal, by the way. Uh, yeah. And so, and so I think, you know, but with the NHL, he can do it. But even still, Leah Sanderson every now and again gets a couple of corps here and there. And I think that's what the players want. And, you know, when a player is, is, is finally drafted, it's almost like, you know, you, you, you're hired by a law firm or you're hired by, uh, you know, a big company. Like, they're going to want to – like, you're an investment. They're going to walk you through. They're going to reveal secrets to you. They're going to tell you a whole bunch of stuff. And on top of that, you're going to be part of their player development. Like, they're, they're going to uh, kind of, like, fine-tune you year by year. Like, they're going to mentor you. You'll have advisors, you'll have dietitians and physical travel, stuff that you never had before, or not definitely not on the level you've had before. And every you know what we, we hear about the Rangers organization, it's one of the best in the hockey. Like people, like to be uh, an employee of that organization, get treated like gold. Uh, and so uh, what I want is I want like a kid like Lawson, he's going to go to the USHL. And not that he like was a, he needs to work on his physicality because he does. He's like 6'2", 200, he skates like the win he hits. Um, but he's going to go to, go to USHL, go to college, Hartford. It's all going to be a, uh, so as long as he's down in Hartford and he's playing, you know, 40 to 50 games or 60 games a year, and he's making it difficult for, you know, notable prospects, he's been making them earn their jobs. I'm all for it. So, uh, I, I would definitely see this guy being in the AHL one day at a minimum being in the AHL. All right. That's good. I knew nothing about him. And the Rangers kept the trend going with the big guys. 
Uh, they take the big six foot seven center from Oshawa, uh, Dylan uh, Rubrock. Rubrock. Uh, Rubric. Rubric. Yeah. Rubric. Um, yeah. So he's an he's an interesting uh, study. So he's an overager too by a year. Uh, he wasn't a high OHL priority pick, and he was like a third round pick. So he had like you were fairly high expectations when Oshawa drafted him. Uh, I think when they did draft him, they were in con- in contention mode, uh, or maybe it was the twenty one season where they didn't have one. Uh, but I think like Oshawa's always been a big time program, but there was like a rebuild kind of like on the horizon. They could sense it. So they were drafting like these really high profile OHL kids like Callum Ritchie's one of them. Uh, Carson, not Carson Rico, what's his name? Um, uh, 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 Seneke or Seneca. Uh, he was eligible for next year's draft. So uh, Rubric was part of this like, like, you know, two or three year like draft uh draft of draft classes where they, they they saw them as the future of the team so uh rubric is a, is a offensive uh, guy i mean he's not just offense but he he has skill he could center uh, his own line he could run it he could uh, be a, a good setup guy etc so he had that reputation his first year with oshawa uh you know wasn't all that great uh it, but it was like a learning experience okay you're a rookie you uh, don't define next year is going to be a big year uh, so, of course, he gets passed over to draft. He comes into this season, and he has a very good season. All right? So, he's basically their second-line center behind Callum Ritchie, the kid who went, uh, like, 27th, whatever, to Colorado. Uh, and a kid I, I wanted the Rangers to take. But anyway, uh, so, Callum Ritchie was the number one center, and Rubric was the second-line center. So, obviously, the Rangers were probably scouting Ritchie uh, because he, he was going to be in that range, and they saw – Rubric play, and he, like I said, big kid, skates really well for his size, soft hands, uh, offensively inclined, also physical. He he kills penalties, about 51% on face-offs. So you're getting a 200-foot center. The thing is, though, is that once the games got tough, like so Oshawa was bad this year, but so too were like a couple other teams in that conference, and Kingston being one of them, and so Kingston, uh, this is crazy. If this happened in the NHL, it'd be like front line, front page news. Uh, Kingston and Oshawa were fighting for the only remaining playoff spot in the conference, right? And so what happened was everybody knew, everybody else was said, it was almost like the East a couple of years ago where everyone clinched the playoffs by like January, except for like Washington. It was a similar situation like that. And what happened was, so there's like 25 games left in the season. And so you knew, and Kingston and Oshawa would just lose every night. No one, no one. So it's like they were separated by one point in, let's say, like, you know, late February, mid February, and they were separated by like one or two points on the last game of the season. So the point I'm making is that these were like playoff games. These were every game was a playoff game, and these teams were losing and losing horribly. Like, it's like no one wanted to uh, take the spot. And then I think, finally, just to show you, like sum it up, uh, on the the second to last game of the season, uh, Kingston lost, so they, they 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 were eliminated, and and the clinching game for Oshawa was a ten to two loss, <laughs> so it was just really weird. Anyway, so Rubric, uh, you know, when I was watching him, and I, I was paying attention to this mayhem. In the OHL, I'd be like, what are you nuts? You care about the two more teams? Uh, I'm like, I don't care. It's a good story. So I'm, I'm watching. So I, I watch Rubric and I'm like, 
hey, he's got to step up, especially because Callum Ritchie got hurt. Callum Ritchie played the last month of the season with like a torn labrum or something like that. And so, or the whole season with a torn labrum. And so, so Callum, so Callum Ritchie is out and the team needs to, you know, step up and he stepped into that top line role. I don't think he was real, not really real more like a two C he would like play about 20 minutes a night. So I guess between a one C and a two C, but anyway, he really didn't show up. Like he showed up in effort, but he was not making plays. And the thing that I noticed was he's got a great shot, but he misses the net a ton. He'll get so many looks. He's a great stick. Well, great. He's a very good stick handler. So he could, you know, maneuver himself, his big body. He can move, maneuver himself into the middle of the ice and get open looks. But even on the power play too, this kid misses the net a ton. So now they go into the playoffs and they're not favored. They're playing Ottawa. It was a one eight. Um, the 67s were the best team in the league that year. But, it, it, you know, I think uh, if I recall correctly, Oshawa won the first or the second game. So they, 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 they gained home ice and he just wasn't a factor. So he wasn't a factor late in the season. He wasn't a factor uh, in the playoff series. Um, so I think that's probably why he went in the sixth round, because if I think he if he had like a really good showing as a number one center, uh, or he just basically like took the pressure off of Callum Richie because Richie did come back eventually in late March that you would say, wow, like, you know, this is a kid that, you know, he's an overager, but still like he, he followed the right, uh, he took the right path. Like he went from being insignificant to significant. Uh, but, you know, we, we, there were a bunch of prospects this year who did not play well in their, in their team's playoffs. And we can't hand wave that. We can't just say, oh, that's all, no big deal, because that could be something that you know, we know this. They could stick with a player their entire career. It stuck with Mike Gardner his entire career, and he wasn't even really that bad. He's a Hall of Fame guy, one of the greatest goal scorers in the history of the game. But the knock on him, Steve Eisenman as well, uh, in the beginning of his career, where it was like, yeah, they're either not winning or they're not elevating their game or doing what was expected out of them. So, you know, it's not that big of a deal. The team was going to lose anyway. But it was just an observation that I made you know, with, you know, watching how everything progressed. Uh, but all that said, you still have like a complete center. Like he's six, 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 seven, whatever he is. And he does it all uh, outside of the, the, the inaccuracy. Uh, you know, he, he could be a, a guy that drives a line. Okay. And the last guy, took another big winger, six, five, 205 pounds, uh, Ty Hendricks out of the USHL. I love this kid's junior stats. He's a big time goal scorer. Yeah, he's, he could score. Uh, he's got a heck of a shot. Uh, the thing is, he's not a good skater, so I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, but he's physical. He's got good size, really soft hands. And a couple of times that I watched him, I saw him. Now, when you look at like a, a USHL rookie, he's, a, he's, he's an 05, too. So he's a, he might even be like a summer 05. So he like just turned 18. Uh, and so that, you know, playing on a team like uh, I think it was, it was Muskegon, they were, they were good this year. They had, uh, you know, Mellenbacher and a bunch of NHL draft picks on it. He When he would get the puck in, in the defensive zone, he would skate it out, and he would make moves uh, skating it out. So it's not just the, the, the shooting and the scoring. And, again, he was not scoring garbage goals. He was sniping pucks. Now, of course, he, he, has, he had a lot of looks as well, and he's got to work on his accuracy. Uh but he's he's a nice like long term project to have. I think he's going to go to Western Michigan, and Western Michigan, uh, I believe Andy Murray's still coaching there. 
they've always been known as like, you know, a very tough opponent, almost like the Bruins where like every game win or lose, you're going to get bruised. Uh, so uh, he offered, he definitely, you know, Henrik definitely offers that uh, the physical aspect. He's got the size, but um, you know, like I said, you, you look at the, the three kids that they took uh, after the, the higher round picks, it, 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 they make sense to me like this skill there. So I know that, you know, we, we want to say, well, oh, you know, they, they got a skill guy in Perot and that's enough. Like everybody in the, in, in the draft class has skill. Like they were a top line center or a number one defenseman, or they were, they were uh, able, even because I, Hendricks didn't play all that much. I think he was like a bottom six wing. Uh, but even in these limited minutes, he was able to showcase his skill. And you got to figure that once the 20 and 21 year olds move on, that a guy like Hendricks will be a top line wing, top power play, uh, et cetera. So uh, we've seen this trend now with the Rangers in each of the last uh, three jury drafts is he doesn't want like just big bodies. Like even a guy like Mancini had, you know, when I watched him in, in, in junior hockey in Sweden, he, he had like, he showed, he was on the power play. He had soft hands. Uh, so yeah, there's a couple of guys in the, in the system who don't, well, don't really have that kind of ability. Uh, and there's no guarantee that any of these kids in the later rounds are going to hit. But again, like in terms of like the draft strategy, what Drury wanted to accomplish with limited resources, by the way, uh, I thought he accomplished it. Well, Steve, thank you so much for your wealth of knowledge and helping us understand these draft picks. I'm now more excited with the Larson kid than I was because I didn't know anything about him. But I like the fact that you're very high on him. And, uh, and who knows? I mean, these two big body guys in the sixth round, they, they turn into something with some development. I think Perot obviously has got Ranger fans very excited. So uh, yeah. thank you for coming on as always. And uh, I guess in 365 days, we'll talk to you again. <laughs> yeah, I'll be around. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining us this week. It's always great to get him on the show. Um, I know we took a year hiatus last year because he's a very busy man, but it was great to get him back on and uh, to hear about all these draft picks in the future. And obviously, I'm very excited about Perot. I think he's pretty excited about Perot. Um, and then you got to keep in mind, these kids need three, four years of developing college before they come up. They're not going to be instant superstars. So, um, like he said, you got to table some expectations for them. There could be some growing pains here. But um, all in all, I think an exciting draft for the Rangers. And uh, even some late-round pick guys, I think um, there's some positives there, too. So they're all skill guys. Like he said, they're all plus skill. Got some size there in the back end. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this draft, and I want to thank Steven. And make sure you go check him out on Twitter, at The Draft Analyst. Always got great stuff, always great insight, and he's wrapping up his um, full draft recap of every pick. So even if you're not a Ranger fan, go on there and check it out. Um, He'll have your teams on there. He'll have pick to whatever you know on there and he'll give you an you know analysis on what that player is going to be so i uh, cannot thank him enough for taking time because he's a very busy man especially around this time of this year time of the year and uh yeah so between the draft and free agency it's now going to go into a little bit of a summer lull here so i wish they would have spread it out a little more but um a very exciting week of hockey and make sure you go and follow the show on all social media on facebook and instagram at the broadway hat podcast you could find the show on Twitter and my personal Twitter account there as well. My show at the Broadway Hat Pod, my personal account at KHOLNY for all New York Ranger updates. Make sure you go subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five star review there. Every five star review that the show does receive a dollar is donated to Alex Limited Foundation. So please go on there, leave a five star review. It takes one minute out of your time and help an amazing company fight pediatric cancer. 
Uh, make sure you go subscribe to the show on Google Play, um, on Pandora, on Spotify. Leave us a five-star review there. On uh, Amazon Music, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us there. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you.